from grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. And I'm Katie. This is the best beer show on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I don't I don't know what that was, but I liked it. Howard Howard, <laughs> Howard Dean. <laughs> I think. Oh man. Do you remember that that politician? Yeah, he's just he's like, like <laughs> Oh man. You guys remember when like politics were fun? Yeah. <laughs> All right, anyway. You can tell that this is the second episode and that we've oh, yeah. each had a couple of beers. Well, also, yeah, we're comfortable. We're, yeah. yeah but uh, let's, let's, get, let's get the things out of the way. The American Homebrewers Association does a lot to support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us. During the AHA, we'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the furrow link at the bottom of our homepage and join today. Also, we're going to give a shout out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons, Andy Thompson, Devin Stinson, uh, and Tyler Romanski. Uh, if you'd like to become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash studios or click on the patron link above our homepage at blindnewstudios.com. And while you're there, you know you're going to do some Amazon shopping at some point in that day, uh, probably. So uh, go ahead and click on that Amazon link above our homepage. Do your Amazon shopping as normal. We get a kickback from Amazon. really helps us out. Brian. Uh, in a world. In a world. That you lived in. What did you do in beer this past week? That didn't work. That was a terrible bit. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know. You showed up at my house on Tuesday night. Oh, yeah. With, uh, with a case with of Modelo. With a case of Modelo, and we hung out in my garage. Nice. Um. <laughs> I, got a, I got a tour of Brian's house this week. Oh, so should my we talk God. about this? So my <laughs> girlfriend was really mad that, was she? that I dragged a bunch of people oh, through our house. because shouldn't have been. We're like, finally got the basement done, finally have everything moved into the house, and everything's just sort of kind of getting pieced together a little bit. And I was really proud that we had a lot of stuff done. And I was yeah, like, yeah, look at my house. Off. Yeah. And then the basement's finished. And then we had a bomb threat in downtown Hudson. Oh, God, I forgot <laughs> about that. That's why we were at my house in the first place. Yeah. So we had we we had a big a big week distribution-wise. Oh, my at God. The, we had to push and 400. No, we had to push almost 500 our, cases. Our stupid plan was to can 400 cases of beer on Monday. And the and the canning line didn't want that to well, happen. It didn't feel like. So it. then we we're like, all right, well, we'll finish it up on Tuesday. So we get there, we get the thing going, and then we started. We I think we got about thirty cases. You were in, only thirty cases, and yeah. we had already known that this was happening. But at nine a.m., the <laughs> a business in downtown Hudson uh, dis- uh, called with a suspicious package outside their their door. So they called, like literally called in a bomb squad. And then eventually it became, it, be, it became, you need to evacuate. Two and a half hours away. Yeah. Wait, that's the closest bomb squad? I think. Yeah. So it became kind of a hold in place. They shut down Main Street in Hudson. So we were thinking, perfect. We don't, you know, we're just, we're just canning beer today. And then they evacuated us. So uh, our, our. We're not sure why either, because the, I'm besties with the fire chief and I text about. Yeah. Stuff and, and they were like, "You were more than a hundred yards away." You did. He was like, "We knew it was bullshit, but we just had they have to." And I and I applaud this. I appreciate this. They had to go through the motions of like staging the fire truck, staging the ambulance, yeah, yeah. you know, Which staging they, all the yeah. different stuff to make yeah. everybody safe. And that's mm-hmm. what makes perfect. Sense. So in then my world, we so. ended up deciding that we were going to go to uh, our our 
favorite Nate. Well, not I want to. I don't want to pick favorites, but Olaf. We went we did Oliphant Brewing in, yeah, in Somerset for it, a, for a, yeah. a pint or two. They were open. Yeah. So we <laughs> so we we, went uh, there. we but we you know we we stopped off to like drop off vehicles so we weren't all driving mm-hmm. in the same direction. So yeah, that we got a little. I got a little tour of tour day Brian's abode. Well, that's fun. Tour day house. Yeah. Day Frau. I found out that he is the keeper of the plants. Oh, and the keeper of the plants at the house. <laughs> you have yourself a little green thumb there, Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, plants. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I bought. Some, I'm gonna make some bonsai plants out of some little pine trees. It's a good time oh, of year. You can do that out of. Trees. You can do that of rosemary too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's pretty. Fun. I bonsai all kinds of stuff, and Jen accidentally took, bonsai. She took one of. Oh, it's technically you should say bonsai, but bonsai. like. Jen took one of my bonsai plants and planted it in a bigger pot, unbeknownst to me, and it's and it started growing larger leaves. And I was like, "Oh, this now, now, now it's no, now, now it's no longer a small plant. Now it's a big tree." Yeah, I don't know. I just like to fuck around. Sorry, anyway, I totally bogarted. No, oh, that's fine. I didn't really have much anyway. I was gonna struggle through. But like seriously, what the fuck? We had a we had a bomb threat. We got evacuated for a right bomb. crazy <laughs> this week. Uh, I mean, literally. Which ended up being, let me just clarify, it was not a bomb. It no. was a box of, so the, the Plaza Mall that this was involved with, they've been, they've been like updating and remodeling and doing all sorts of work on. And the parking lot crew left a yeah. box of chalk, which they store their chalk in ammo boxes because it stays dry in the ammo box. Oh, that makes well, sense. Well, but the, the interesting part about this ammo box is that this ammo box was designed marketed manufactured specifically to be the type of ammo can or ammo box green with a handle on top it has a, a hand crank on the side and a piece of rope with oh a little boy. with a little pike on it and would you ven- like to venture a guess what it does what does it do it snaps straight lines it's a it's <gasps> it's to snap lines so it's like, a it's it's a giant chalk it's a giant like, chalk line right chalk yeah. line thing for when you are yeah, um, like, like woodworkers and yeah. metalworkers, but it keeps are the chalk yeah. within it. Yeah, dry. So and I, if I Google chalk line ammo box, it co- it's the first thing that comes up. Craft tool GG three hundred two ammo chalk yeah. line box. That's what they found. And the, everybody knew it was bullshit, but they have to go through the motions. Yeah. Yeah. Is it like Well, not everyone thought it was bullshit, but we don't Well, have no, to no, no. The that. the boots yeah. on the ground that were standing by it knew yeah. it was bullshit, but they had yeah. to go through the motions. But the yeah, anyway. But all the the talk radio people said it was this, it was that, yeah. and it was amazing getting all these messages from people like in other states. I heard there was a bomb in my downtown. Mom, no, it wasn't a bomb. It was chalk. My mom <laughs> called, which was weird cuz yeah, that's you were we were we were hanging out and you're like, oh wow, my mom called. I was like, wow, oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fun. Yeah. That's what I did. I didn't really do anything beer related. I kind of blew it on telling it all last time. Oh, that's fine. I bought some cool imported beer. Um, I've been drinking a lot, a lot of Coors Light and a lot of Modelo lately because it is a fucking hot and it's summer. <laughs> Mm-hmm. The it's thing, very the thing you got to know about where we live geographically is, like I've said a hundred times, it's the studio's right next to a cornfield for one, and for two, for two, Casey hit Casey and I hit a raccoon, which basically wrecked his entire bumper. Yeah, that was a fun Ooh. time. So we live in the that kind was a of great thousand dollars I got to spend, and uh, it is it can be like a hundred and one degrees with a hundred percent humidity. Or it can be like thirty below. Yeah, yeah. It just yeah. depends on the. And time right now, it's it's 
you know, it's, it's 90 some and yeah. I mean, if you have one of those, you're, yeah, it's a hundred and it's yeah. Like a yeah. bazillion Coors percent weather. humidity. Yeah. Or if we want to go into my week. Yeah, let's go into your week. Ooh, let's. So I, I, I touched uh, a little bit on this last episode. So I've been experimenting with um, our our lemon breaker, so our summer shandy. So you, you could pick a shandy or a Rattler or whatever, mm. add additives to that yeah. to make them more fun. So um, we I, w- <laughs> I had some lemon breaker with rum in it last Ooh. night. Oh, I have definitely put um, booze into lemon, lemon yeah. breaker. I've had, I, I did, a, I did, and then I did Vodka. it. So our lemon breaker or, you know, most shandies are right around 4% or less. So they're, they're low ABV, but I added, I made a hibiscus syrup, like a hibiscus simple syrup. So I added just a can of lemon breaker and then some poured some hibiscus Ooh. and it was like and, and that's sort of like is that Kolsch that does that? that, that uh, Berliner Weiss. Yeah, the Berliner Weiss so that it yeah. like it takes a so this is like almost it's almost the opposite you take a a, a sweeter base beer and add something herbal and to add it. something a little herbal or a little sweeter to it. Were oh, we talking so about dry Super hopping refreshing. some of the lemon shandy the lemon breaker with, shandy with, with lemon drop hops? Yeah, we have to, them. Yeah, that's we've been throwing that around. Just yeah. looking for something fun to do with the yeah. uh, Yep. Um, you know, if and if we weren't sending out like 600 cases of Lemon Breaker a week, right, just to yeah. distributors, we could probably do that. But it's just been pushing, yeah. just crushing it. Yeah. Well, it's my mom's favorite beer now, so you know you guys <laughs> yeah. got to keep making it. Yep, we will. We will. <laughs> I mean, it's seasonal, but you know. How about you, Casey? What have you been up to? Oh man, uh, let's see. Um, I finally got back to together with uh, with my brewing buddy, and we started planning our next. Uh, our next IPA. He just got a one of those fancy new uh, stainless ten gallon conicals, um, and so we're excited to brew in that and do some stuff. And he has a working uh, kegerator to cool things, mm. so um, I'm actually going to bring my fermenters over there and my uh, my little brew system, and I'm going to brew um, a Meritzen for uh, during that same day. Yeah. So it should be ready around October. Yeah, we've got- Speaking of that, um, I ordered our Oktoberfest yeast, what, like two weeks ago? Yeah, have we gotten it? No, no, no. It's not. Oh. Sp- it won't. It won't come until. Like oh yeah, a couple yeah, days yeah. We we have all the we have the malts for our October. I suppose like now's the time you got to start brewing yeah. them, right? Yep. 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 They got to yep. go we'll down. Get... They got to lager. Yeah. Um, ours is uh, so good. Extremely good. Like <laughs> we make a we make a uh, all of our beer is great, but there are a few that just like really stand out, and that's yeah. And I think we're making three times more this year than we yeah, did last year because we're gonna sign on with a sixth distributor. So that means our beer will be from. Dundas or like Northfieldish area all the way up to Stillwater, the whole like yeah. bottom, oh, wow. bottom My, right half Saint of the, Paul Minneapolis ish. Yeah, yeah, Saint Paul Minneapolis. So we're just still kind of uh, building demand in the outer out the outskirts, but we're Rochester, Saint Cloud, Duluth, Superior, uh, soon to be like you know like uh, north of Red Wing, Stillwater, stuff like that. Lake, Very cool. Lakeville, so. Um, it's it's kind of a big jump, and I think it'll be the last jump like that we make for a good while until we kind of level out. Cool. Um, so for for my Meritzen recipe, yeah. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of just uh, bitch out a little bit and basically just use the Brewing Classics or er, Styles recipe. Do it. Um, and just go with that because... Yeah. I like I haven't I haven't really brewed a successful one before and mm-hmm. like I keep it simple. Right. Yeah, that that I mean we've talked even last time about the Brewing Classic Styles book. That is a 
a gem of a book. It's it's amazing. It's Have you so ever good. seen my copy? <laughs> it is. Where I is mean, my if copy? You, if you are a uh, all grain brewer or even an extract brewer, really, I mean, you can you can go into a homebrew shop, pick up those ingredients for that recipe, alter a few things here and there if you want to use, you know. Well, yeah, the cool part is that it's it's written to for extract. Yeah. Yep, and then modified and for just, all grain. I mean, because you know, if you are doing all grain, and they give you a recommendation at the bottom, yep. but that's kind of your liberty to play with stuff. Yep. Yeah, yep. Um, yeah. Uh, I've bought that book three times now. And so, yeah, <laughs> Have so, you given it away. Oh, nice, no, no, I I thought I lost a copy, uh, so I bought it, bought a hard copy, and then I was at work and I went to work on a recipe and I wanted to reference it, so I bought it digitally too, uh, so I can access it anywhere on my phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine's all full of beer and tears and <laughs> tears um, and sweat, sweat and blood and such. Yeah. <laughs> Blood. No, no blood, Katie. What? Just kidding. All right. Uh, well, should we uh, should we get into this uh, into this discussion? Yeah, this is going to be a doozy, kids. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're they're all a doozy. Let's just let's start there. Um, so we're gonna to to streamline a little bit of this and to not get completely lost in the weeds. Um, a good uh, primer. To this discussion, if you haven't if you haven't uh, read it, uh, like check out the the water profile book or listen to some of our water profile um, episodes, specifically the one um, with Justin uh, towards the beginning of Brian's tenure. So I think it's two years old now. I can uh, yeah, about two years. Yep. Uh, so listen to that one, um, and you'll kind of understand a little bit more about the water chemistry that we're talking about. And we're going to be talking um, specifically in the context for IPAs here. Um, some of this will be applicable in a broader sense, but we're basically looking at what we can do in the mash to get better mouthfeel in our IPAs. Yes. Um, and yeah, kind of kind of look at that. Um, so the first thing we're going to look at is our sulfate to chloride ratio. So um, we kind of know from just basic water chemistry stuff that when you're playing with the sulfate chloride, like... If you go one one side more, you're going to get more bitterness. The other side, you're going to get more of a multi, uh, multi character. Right. So where IPAs are concerned, it's pretty much all about your sulfate to chloride ratio. Yep. If you're talking salts versus the way the hops work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the higher the sulfate, the higher the perceived bitterness you're going to have. Um, and then there's also... Uh, so and then yeah, so kind of the opposite there. The higher the the chloride, the more maltiness you're going to pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's also been a negative correlation that has been found uh, with high sulfate levels and perceived hop flavor. Um, so basically, like if you go too high on your sulfate levels, uh, you're going to get that bitterness, but you're not going to get any of the flavor from the hops. Yep. Um, and the other thing is, is there's not a ton of like because we're dealing with flavors and stuff like that it's a lot of i don't want to say anecdotal evidence but it's not there's not any like hard numbers behind it does that make sense yeah um so in the book they reference a lot of the brewosophy studies because those are kind of the best thing that well we have. it's all triangle triangle and yeah it's non-biased you know i mean i don't know i it, I, I rely on brulosophy quite a bit. Yeah. So yeah, that. but they'll, they'll be, again, and we've been called out for this before, but I just want to reiterate, uh, they they themselves say, hey, we're not we're not scientists. No. Like, this isn't perfect. This is what we got. Right. So just kind of. And often that. that's all there is. 
Yep. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so, right now that's that's all there is. Right. Um, yeah, so chloride helps to increase the roundness and fullness of the beer, and a good sulfate to chloride ratio in hoppy beers is two to three favoring chloride. Um, and But you also don't want to, like, go insane with it, too. You want to keep it, what is it, um, what's what's the chloride, is it, it's, is it like 50 ppm? No, no. Um, uh, you, you, it's like under 200 ppm, right? The chloride? Yeah. I'm trying to remember now. Sorry, I should have written that down. Uh, now we're just looking things up. Yeah. Sorry. Look, look, look at, listen to our water episode. No, nose and books. Yes, <laughs> this is happening. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, you don't. Uh, it's at less than 250. Okay, less than 250. Yep. So I was close. Yep. Yep. You were hey, close. yes. Go Ooh. me. I know a little bit about water chemistry. I feel real good <laughs> no. now. Um, I guess, is there anything you guys kind of want to talk about about the sulfide to chloride ratio? Mm-mm. No? No, no. No. It's like, you know, we, we talked about, I think. Sulfate, by is, the way. Oh, is, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, sulfate. Yeah. Is this this book, this new IPA book, is like, there are aha blown, blown away mo- mo- moments that I Yeah, cheers even, to Scott yeah. Janish or so Janish it's, or it's, what have you. You know, I was thinking about... Um, We'll get into it, but yeah. So, well, I mean, that, that, that segues perfectly into yeah. this next, uh, this next part, um, which I like. This is this is one of the things I had never really considered, and I guess I should have. Like, it makes sense, um, but malt's impact on the minerals in the mash. Like, just a that very, was Ka- yeah, that was Katie's brain exploded. Well, my brain exploded too on that. Well, it's just like yeah. it's it's something that should be super fucking obvious, and then we're just like. Well, we, we, we calculated the minerals that are in, in the water, and that's all we need to worry about. Uh, our malt is like, we're just looking for the pH there and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, no, that's actually contributing a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So it, it, this says that base malts add about um, as much as 50 to 100 ppm of sulfate and approximately 200 chloride to, yeah. to your overall... To your overall mineral content yeah, in, yep. the, in the water, which is insane. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, the, and then it's, you know, it also talks about flaked grains contribute less minerals. So that's, that's where my mind gets blown. Cause we have at, at hop, um, on, on my, my, where I'm kind of thinking and going from, we have this Hudson haze mm-hmm. and we, we recently changed the malt bill to it. So we've added a bunch of adjuncts to it, you know, and it's just sort of like, there, what, we didn't even think about that. Cause we always add, so and again, go back to the water chemistry episode. But at the beginning of the of the brew day, we always analyze the water, and then we decide how much calcium chloride and how much gypsum specifically. And then we also add Epsom to it, but that's more of a yeast nutrient situation. But you know, how much of those two salts we're adding to the water? Yeah, and we didn't even think we didn't even think about it with this. Well, yeah, you know? that the grains adding. Yeah. Right. Uh, so or, or or decreasing, you know, or right, decreasing. You know? Yeah. So, um, has that, has you, has that new recipe finished out? Have you been able to taste it yet? Uh, it is, it is crashed in a fermenter. Okay. Um. Oh, that Hudson Hayes? Yeah. Yeah. T- 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 uh, yeah. It's, Def- definitely it's, a game changer. Yeah. It's definitely got so. a lot more body. So the last, we, we've, well, we've, we've had some issues with that beer as far as I think what we want it to be yes. compared to what it ends up being. Yep. Um, and, the and the idea behind there. that beer was very different. Uh, that in term of what the brewer that was before you, um, it, it changed. Um, yeah. yeah. Because of some stubbornness, and then now we're sort of I think back on track. Yeah. 
So we're getting there. I mean, so, you know, and then that's, so you also have to, just, I mean, this is a little bit of a tangent, but you also have to decide what, what you're looking for, for a hazy IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, what, what we did this last batch is we have, we added some adjuncts to sort of beef up the body of it. So okay. it isn't thin anymore. And it was, it was, it was kind of thin before. So it's potential or potentially because you're not pulling some of that chloride and sulfate, it could bump the bitterness, like the the perceived bitterness up, and it could. And but you know, and do you want that in a hazy IPA too? Right. Those yeah. are those are juicy and smooth and right. all the things. So, the other thing about calcium and it uh, is is it calcium or chloride? Is you know it also can help some of those things drop out of beer that you want to have stay in solution for mm-hmm. a hazy beer. So yeah, there's yeah. that piece to it, but. That's chloride. A, maybe another episode. Chloride impacts the softness, and the calcium is the opposite. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's yeah, no, and I mean, we could. Wow, yeah, there's there's, there's a lot of implication in there. I told and you, this no, is... no, it's but like <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what else, like we I mean we can we can dig deep into um into some of the stuff that he does here. Uh, one of the what was uh malt's impact on minerals um. Oh no, that was the that's the Dextrin thing. We'll get to that in a second. But uh yeah, so and he he didn't have like there's not a ton in here cuz um there's not enough science on it right now so to measure yeah. like what like what minerals are or like what grains are adding what minerals and how to calculate that before you build your water profile. Right. Yeah. Um and, and, and that so, might be that might be years out before you have a I mean, you know, brewers rely on software programs in mm-hmm. order to. Yeah. I mean, we what is the what is the one that they refer to in this book? The brew. Oh, for the for the water profile. Yeah. Um. Oh shit. Brew brew in water. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's, brew in it's water. just a you know a Google search kind of thing where. Um, brew b r u n. And then water. It's a it's a little spreadsheet thing that you put water. in your 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 water profile and the and then, malts you're using yeah, and, and all the things, and it'll tell you. Yeah, it'll tell you how much you know calchlor, gypsum, epsom, and then calcium carbonate that you need to add to your yep. your mash. But um, it might be it might be years before we 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 see software that includes. Well, we barely have software that can do an uh, a an accurate pH estimation. <laughs> That's true. Like, yep. and now we're, now we want something that'll do this. Like, yeah, no, it's, it's crazy, but it, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good thing to keep in mind. Like, okay. So if we know that we're going to be at, or that we're using a lot of malted grains in this and we want to back that off, but we want to keep the water profile somewhat similar. Maybe we need to add in a little bit more sulfate and mm-hmm. uh, chloride. Yep. Um. Yeah. Uh, so that's, yeah, so that that was one of the that was one of the biggest things in this chapter um, that I that I was like, wow. Yeah. Um, for sure. And then so talking about mouthfeel, traditionally one of the biggest things that we talk about are dextrins. So uh, just kind of fermentables and wort are seventy percent like things that get broken down very easily, like maltose, glucose, fructose, sucrose, maltotriose. These are the things that the yeast want to eat and turn into uh, delicious alcohols. And CO2 um, and like, you know, dry out the beer. And then the most, uh, like the, the remaining 30% are, uh, oh man. Uh, Maltotetros. Thank you. And dextrins. 
And dextrins are an unfermentable extract that remains in wort from starch that is not broken down to the main fermentable sugars during the mashing process. So these are the long chain sugars that we talk about mm -hmm. um, that give body and stuff like that. So, you know, higher mash temp, more of these dextrins. Yep. And you can also add things like breeze carapils. Carapils, yep. chit malts, Weirman yep. carafoam, yep. kind of. Yep. To your, to your mash at... at only a certain amount. You don't want to go crazy with well, it. Well, so, well, literally, like, in this chapter, he does a 50% Carapils uh, oh, beer geez. experiment, uh, which was super interesting to read about. Um, but uh, what he kind of found here was... Oh, boy, there it is. Yep. Um, yeah, 50% Carapils, uh, like, beer. But so what he kind of found out here is... The the dextrin concentration needed to like actually impact uh, mouthfeel is quite a bit. Um, it's fifty grams per liter, or like uh, 0.020 gravity points, mm -hmm. to actually affect your mouthfeel with with just just talking dextrins. Wow! But amounts close to that threshold combined with the other uh, mouthfeel builders, um, which are I gotta pull that up again. Um, well, just kind of all the other things, but uh, I think the interesting, an interesting okay. part, real quick, is that um, we're not exactly sure how carapils, how Brees's carapils is being made. Oh, there we go. It's a proprietary process. I think that's super cool. We have no idea. Um, and then um, Wireman Carafoam, which is technically carapils outside of the U.S., is. It's high in protein and it's super under modified, so it's like more mealy or starchy. Uh, chip malt is another option here that is not in this book. Uh, but what did they say? Converting into fermentable sugars when mashed, but would be unsuitable for steeping. So Weirman suggests that you can use up to forty percent of the grist as their carafoam. So, and, and the other thing about carafoam carapils is is they, they often advertise it as, you know, better head retention. Yep. You know, and so I think utilizing, and this was, you know, this was a descriptor that they established pre-hazy IPAs mm -hmm. where you want these thick, juicy beers. So I feel like relying on a, a malt like uh, carafoam or carapils is, is maybe a little unfair to the to the product it's, itself so uh, you know you if you want to if you want a thick mouthfeel you know you need to utilize how you're using your hops a little bit which yep. is what, what we're kind of talking about today but mash temperature and using other adjuncts to in, in order to get that mouthfeel yeah. but don't don't I, I wouldn't say going into a a, a, a mash uh, um a beer recipe and saying, well, I'm going to use X amount of cara foam or cara pills in order to increase my mouthfeel. It's going to make your head retention super great or your foam retention, however you want to say yep. it. But, but you know, there's, there's multiple things that you need to do in your process in order to get mouthfeel yeah. where you want it to be. So he used, he used 50% two row, 50% cara pills. Mm -hmm. um, and he says that um, the beer wasn't super thick or chewy. Yeah. It had a nice soft mouthfeel. Yeah. Um, but what he noticed uh, was uh, there way better head retention and there was, it was mainly noticeable in the sticky uh, lacing around an empty glass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, which makes sense because you add cara pills or cara foam for that head retention um, and then you add oats for mm -hmm. that big mouthfeel that you're yeah. looking for. Yep. 
Um, yeah, so that's like that's kind of dextrins. But then, like on the opposite side of dextrins, you have this thing called limit dextrinase. Um, and I we've we've touched on it. Like I, I think we've like mildly glanced at it, but we haven't really talked about it. So it's uh, limit dextrinase is the only enzyme in the mash that can break down de- dextrins into fermentable sugars, but it's only active between like 113 to 138 or 45 to 59C, which is the same temperature you'd use for a protein rest. Sure. So if you're doing a protein rest on your hazy IPAs, you're breaking down all those dextrins that you want. So don't do a protein. Oh rest. yeah, so yeah. don't. And then. get and, and and the other thing is, is probably get your wild get get your temperature through that range as quickly as, as possible. Fast oh, as definitely. possible. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um. Like that. That was another thing. I was like, because you know we've been talking about you know multiple re- or multiple rests. Like yeah, yeah. This mashes. will make your beer un- unintentionally dry. Yeah. yeah. Which is which is a really weird side effect. This will totally throw your whole entire recipe out of whack. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, wow. so huh. um, yeah, so at normal mash tents, uh, limit dextrinase activity is basically non-existent. So once you get it up there, you're fine. Um, so mashing your IPAs without a protein rest and higher, like 158, should result in a higher dextrin count in the final beer. Um, for And if you're a no-boil brewer, like if you're doing one of those no-boil hazies, um, if any limit dextrinase survives the mash and makes it into the beer, it will... Um, continue to chew through those dextrins mm-hmm. um, as it's as it's pulling down. So you need to make sure that you bring your wart up mm-hmm. to at least 185 or 85 C um, in order to kill off those enzymes. Interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, the continuing activity is going to call those dextrins to break uh, to break down. And your attenuation is going to be way higher than you expect. Huh. Like, I just my mind is blown right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's more more mind blowing. Well, so, so do you guys? So is a protein rest standard for you guys no. or no? Well, we'll talk about it off air. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, not intentionally. No, no. Okay. I mean, it depends on the beer, but for a hazy IPA, it should not be. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just that that was like that was one of those things where like because we've talked about well do a protein rest if you have the option because why not? It's, and do we want to just sort of uh, touch on? I mean, this is but what what are protein rests good for? Yeah, why, yeah. Why, why do we do them? Why, why um, do we do them? Do you, one of you guys want to take? I'm sure you guys can actually have a better understanding of this than I do at this point because I don't remember. <laughs> I know we talked about it. I don't remember. Yeah. Oh boy, I'm gonna yeah. muddle. Here, me, I got, I'm gonna I, muddle through this one. Just, uh, but if there's if there's more proteins in it, it's. I think it's, uh, it. Uh, all right. Um, it, okay. It's act. It activates certain enzymes in the malt, uh, that break down protein chains. So okay, you can get yeah. a clearer beer if you do a protein rest. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It just makes so, it like a beefier beer, yeah. stickier, if you will. Yeah. Okay. Just proteins sticky. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, so this breaks down the protein, so there's fewer of them that, yeah, that yeah. end up in your, yeah. Uh, so yeah, for a hazy, you wouldn't want to do it no. anyway, um, but yeah, but even if like, so if you're looking for just anything with any kind of like big body, a protein rest probably is not a good thing to do. Right. Because yeah, those, de- that, that dextrinase is active there and is going to destroy all your dextrins, which is just a bummer. We want those. All right. Um, and then finally, let's talk about uh, late hop, late hop uh, polyphenols. So um, we've been talking about hops a lot, and this book is a lot about hops. 
because we're talking IPAs. So, um, polyphenols, they can add to your mouthfeel, um, but it's really only super noticeable in lower ABV hoppy beers. Yeah. Um, where you don't have a lot of other um, malt backbone and stuff to rely on. Like, your dextrin count just isn't going to be there. So anything you can kind of do to bump that up. So if you can move more of your hops into the late late side, you're going to get these polyphenols um, that are, especially with lower acid ones, um, if you can whirlpool them in a low, reduced temperatures and it'll bring up that polyphenol count, which will um, give you more perceived mouthfeel. That's kind of what it is. And you're going to get more hop flavor out of there, too. Yeah, for sure. Yep, and simply polyphenols are uh, related to aroma. Yep. Aroma. Aroma. Yep. And with aroma, I mean, with these with these hazy IPAs, in well, polyphenols my opinion, are important in the hazy IPAs. Yep. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, you don't formation. you don't want. I mean, ideally, it's it's a beer that isn't super bitter, but it's got a lot of that hoppy, all those other kind yep. of characters. Yeah, it has all so the all the keep, other craziness keep, in it. You keep that, and you're golden. Yeah. So, all right. So, if you're brewing a haze, uh, things that we've learned today: <laughs> um, modify your water uh, to, uh, especially if you're using a lot of adjuncts, mm-hmm. to um, account for not getting those uh, with salt sulfates and mm-hmm. chlorides that you're used to getting from the from the malts. Yep. Um, don't do a protein rest. And then, so just going back on that really, really quickly. Yep. So if you're if you're wanting to do a hazy IPA with a, a good amount of adjuncts, and you know we've we've touched on the fact that at Hop we've used we it wasn't a hazy IPA, but it was a we used forty percent adjuncts in it, and it's possible. Um, but you also don't want to use you don't want to to adjust your like especially cal calchlor mm-hmm. because you can start tasting that in your beer. Yeah, so I was going to be careful s- be careful about that. You want to make sure yep. that it's enough that it's going to do the effect that or have the effect that you want but not but not you, overshoot it and then you're tasting like salty chlorine. ham water. Yeah. Yep. Or too much gypsum and it's like mineral like yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. You know. Yep. You know, it's it's all a balancing act. Yep. Totally. Um yeah, so keep an eye on that. Um and if you have the ability, brew it multiple times uh, while, while incrementally changing the water yes. yeah. um, and then kind of figure out what works there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, then you want to blow past that um, like that, that 113, 138 range as fast as possible. Yeah. Avoid those protein rests. Yep. Um, yeah. So the, the faster you can you can get your grain past there, the more dextrin you're going to end up in the in the final beer. Um, and then, yeah, uh, late hop, just all, all, as many hops in the whirlpool as you can. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and know that you can, you can get bitterness out of hops even as late as if you add them during active fermentation. Cause we, we proved that with this while, this while you, we had this while you were away IPA and it was the first time I think day, I mean, well, not the first time, but it was. Uh, collectively, the first time that we were able to kind of analyze a beer that we added hops like day one or two of fermentation, and we it was wild the amount how much bitterness that, that how how bitter that beer I think the the bitter and we've talked about this in previous but the beer itself in a calculator showed that it was zero IBUs and there was no way that it was right zero, yeah because they so. haven't figured it, or like Beersmith and yeah. other uh, calculators have yeah. not. Yeah. Figured out a way to calculate IBUs uh, from biotransformation. Yep, and that you know the the friction. I guess the friction of fermentation it extracts alpha acids for sure. Definitely. 
<laughs> uh, you know, it's it's all fun. It's all crazy. And yeah, IPAs. Who'd have thunk? Who'd have thunk? <laughs> you know, you remember when we were chasing, like, that, that IBU limit? Trying to find it. Like, everybody was like, this is 130 IBUs. Yes, I remember that very well. And now we're going the, like, this is zero IBUs, but it's still bitter as balls. What are you doing? Like, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's it's fun to see how, how things have changed. But we have a listener mail. It looks like a long oh, one. Oh, it is. Um, it yeah, from? This, this, is, this is from Bjorn. <laughs> um, and uh, I... Like I've, I've meant, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but I, I kind of want to like throw out his words on this one uh, because it's super. Like I, I find this super interesting, and it's a different way to brew, and I want to see kind of what you guys think. So uh, there was an issue with. Uh, so I asked him like why he was doing no chill was was what kind of where this came from, and he said there was an issue uh, with time spent brewing with a toddler at home, so I needed to spend less time brewing. Um, I switched first to no sparge and Jerry rigged a super fast uh, submersion chiller of the three I had. This sped brew, brew day up quite a bit. Um, and last year he bought a keg mentor, a stainless pressurizable uh, unit tank or 30 liter keg, which has been sitting on a shelf in my brewery because I liked my all rounder plastic uh, uni tanks better. Um, so basically, uh, there was still like an issue with, uh, with time, even though he shaved about two hours off of his brew day. So then he looked at the stainless uh, keg mentor and thought, what a perfect vessel to do no chill in. So no chill is a bit faster than regular standard chilling methods. No need to spend time chilling. Uh, no chilling equipment to clean, um, and the benefit is flexibility. When you've transferred to the fermenter, uh, when you trans- when you've transferred to the fermenter, you're done for the day. So basically, he takes boiling wort and puts it in there um, into a, into a clean and sanitized fermenter, um, and then boiling wort will also continue the sanitation process because it's hot. Um, so interesting. My face was not near the mic there. Ah, Um, then, uh, you can pitch yeast the next day or some other day with some reservations. The work will keep, uh, quite well for a long time as it is. Uh, this brings me to my, I suppose if there's no, yeah. O2 pickup. Yeah. If there's no O2 pickup, it's fine. What the hell? Yeah. Um, so this brings me to my biggest concern with doing no chill. That's oxidation. So yeah. I transfer the boiling wort to my keg mentor with a tube down to the bottom of the fermenter. I've considered doing a semi-closed transfer to a purge keg, but it's too much of a hassle. Um, he ke- he purges the, the keg mentor thoroughly after transferring and lets it chill with some positive CO2 pressure on. Um, and you need to shake the keg mentor uh, a bit to make sure the hot wort pasteurizes everything. Um, my, my other concern is that it takes uh, some trial and error to dial in the business. I brewed uh, quite a few hazies this way. The biggest issue is you need to restrain the desire to load up on hop stand uh, hops. As a rule of thumb, you'll need to add about 20 minutes of boil time to any kettle hop addition you do. Uh, no chill is also a convenient way to do loggers in the summer. I just put uh, the no chill container into the fermentation chamber at a set logger uh, firm uh, temp and wait until it cools down. Um, and then he talks about, so some episodes ago, uh, this was a while ago, we talked about overnight mashing and we, Brian and I, I think were, I don't think Katie was on the show yet. Maybe she was. Uh, I don't remember talking about overnight mashing. So we, we talked about it and we're like, we, we didn't understand why anybody would do it. Ah, okay. I, I'm just going to guess that Bjorn is proving us wrong. Well, yeah, (laughs) he's like. Uh, we said it does. We appreciate. Yeah, it, so. uh, we Here's we were like it doesn't make any sense because it doesn't save any time. But what it does is it changes your time commitment on one day. So uh, 
Like, uh, I know many who do their brewing like this. After work Friday, they dough in uh, with a full boil volume, aka no sparge, and mash overnight. Um, so holding it at mash temp overnight. On Sunday, or on Saturday, they boil and transfer to a no-chill container. Then on Sunday, uh, pitch the yeast and make sure everything's clean. This huh. way you can brew and uh, still keep all their family commitments. I thought people who are from other countries aren't supposed to be as busy as, <laughs> as Americans. No, but like, it, I mean, it's like the, the concept of being able to spread your, your brew day into like two That's hour chunks awesome. over, yeah. over a weekend yeah. instead yeah. of all at once is really interesting. Well, because sure. as we all know, uh, uh, what you, when you perceive yourself having a six hour brew day, it can easily turn into double that. And yeah, yeah, for sure. Pain and heartache. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, uh, like at at the homebrew level, it's really interesting. To kind of look at look at these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he says that it works well enough for uh, American blondes, APAs, IPAs, and New England IPAs. Well, then he's using Kyvac a lot too. Yeah, it yep. looks yep. like yeah. So he's like, I do DME and no chill with uh, Kyvac yeast now. Uh, zero to one min uh, boil of the wort. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I maybe I missed that one, but uh, a brew day measured in minutes instead of hours. Uh, it works well enough for American blondes, APAs, IPAs, and New England IPAs. Yep. If you add uh, maltodextrin and lactose to get mm-hmm. the body right, yeah. Um, and then he's going back to all grain soon. But yeah, so if you're look, if you're if you're strapped for time and you still want to brew, uh, like you can make good beer with uh, with extract. Yeah, which we've we've talked about on the show. Right. Uh, we mentioned in the. Mm-hmm. Thing. And then, yeah, um, and if you're really strapped for time, like, it sounds like he now has a brew day that lasts, like, a half hour. Wow. That is impressive. Are we getting Bjorn on the show or not? Uh, we gotta, we gotta figure that out. That's a whole, that's a... Time yeah, difference. Yeah, time it's the time difference and yeah. then, like, the way we Toddler record and stuff. And yeah. we were, yeah, that's mm-hmm. true, so... Okay. There's, yeah, there's a lot of things there. But yeah, that was uh, that was one I wanted to share and kind of talk about. I found it really interesting. Bjorn, thanks for sharing that yes. and kind of changing our ideas of what the paradigm of a brew day can look mm-hmm. like. I pre- that's what I really appreciate about all this is emails like this and this IPA book. It, it, you know, you kind of get stuck in your, this is how it works. And, yep. you know, oh boy, humans, yeah, we have definitely been humans have been, that, so. humans it, it, have been okay. brewing beer. Um, 10,000 years for, for forever. And even before we understood what was going on, yep. but then having, having these ideas just sort of put, put into my brain, yeah. it's just, it's pretty, pretty wacky. Yeah. And, wild, and we, yeah. Then. And like Brian was saying, we've been accused of being dogmatic and we're trying to get away from that. Yeah. So much. And so emails and like so this. You, so what you did is you found me as a co-host. I'm the most dogmatic brewer ever. Yeah. But <laughs> our, our new, our new rule is we just need to make Katie's um, brain explode once yeah, an episode yeah, okay. and we're good yeah, to go. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, you're working, you're killing it there. That's for sure. <laughs> Especially with these IPA episodes. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I think that's all we have for today. So let's go ahead and uh, play some outro music. Outro music? Brian, go, you go find that outro music for me, all right? Good job. Oh, I was a little off. Uh, <laughs> if you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindersstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindersstudios. You can follow us on Twitter at blindersstudios.com. And I'll see you guys next week. Peace. Take care.